What's poppin' everybody? How y'all doing? Thank you for tuning in to episode 31, I believe, of the Swamp Life Podcast with yours truly, the one and only, Big Gator, Gator Love, Gold Chain Gator, Spiffy Gator, Turtleneck Gator, aka Mr. Where's My Lighter. Hopefully you guys had a nice week since the last time you heard my voice. Um, If it was even a week since the last time you heard it, I don't know when the fuck you niggas be listening, but... Um, I don't even recall what I did this week, so I can't even comment on my actions. Anyways, I don't feel like much has happened this week other than the NBA free agency. Uh, I feel like that's taken over a lot of the media news. And along with Drake's album dropping, but I feel like the story of the week that no one's really talking about, except for a few people on Twitter is El Chapel. <laughs> I don't really know if that's the proper way to say it in uh, French, but that's how I'm going to say it every time I mention that nigga's name. So just be prepared. Now, while there wasn't much that happened, big picture, I feel like a lot happened in NBA free agency just in general. Um... Obviously, you have to start with the biggest domino. LeBron James announcing that he's going to sign with the Lakers for four years, 154. And the biggest thing from that I took away from that was Chris Paul got four years for 160. And I, I know I said I'm going to start with the biggest domino, but nigga, how the fuck does Chris Paul get four years, $160 million? That doesn't make any fucking sense. He's getting $40 million every fucking year. He has not finished a playoff series ever. I just want to I just want to let that sink in for I'm gonna say it again in case you need to look it up and try to prove me wrong. This nigga has never finished a playoff series. He gets hurt in game three or game four every fucking year and it's happened consecutively for the past six years every year and I don't know how it's it's genuinely baffling how do you get hurt every year at the same time like what at some point don't you think you would try something different like you would switch up your diet your workout habits you would do something okay but no Fuck it. You, you still get hurt every year. That's cool. You're still a good point guard. No doubt about that. But as the GM of the Rockets, how do you voluntarily give him the max contract? He's going to be 38 years old making $40 million. He can't finish a playoff series healthy at 32 years old. What do people think he's going to look like at 38 years old? We'll, leave, we'll just leave that one there. But LeBron only took 4 mil, 153. I'm assuming he took the... That's still a max deal, but it's not the maximum he could have gotten. I'm assuming in hopes of signing someone like Kawhi Leonard or some other potential star that can join the team still. But... Yeah, it's incredibly baffling for me that Chris Paul got... 
that much money when he can't finish a series healthy. That just doesn't make sense. Thankfully, though, Paul George also re-signed with the Thunder. And with his re-signing, we now have the highest paid or the highest payroll in the league. The first team to ever reach over $300 million with our payroll. And with that, the fact that we did that this season, it almost... I don't even know the proper term for this because it's like it made me just reminisce on 2012. No, it was 2013 when we decided to let go of James Harden for four million dollars. Not per season. Over his over his total contract. They didn't want to give James Harden four million dollars, so they traded him for Jeremy Lamb, a first round pick, and I don't even remember the nigga's name, bro. So, like, it, and now our payroll, we're the first team to ever, in the NBA history, to ever reach over 300 million. That's, that's disheartening. We've had the last, just to stroll down memory lane, the Thunder drafted the three out of the last four MVPs. And only one of them are still on the team. And that's only because of $4 million. When now our payroll is over $300 million. I really want to emphasize this because we are the first team ever in history to reach that that limit. And it's not even worth it. Because Carmelo Anthony is making $28.5 million, I believe. And he's not even worth 15 There's not a role player in the league, even with all the bad contracts that were given out in... When the salary cap was boosted up, I think that was 2013, as well as the 2014 season, there was two jumps. And even in both of those years when the most outlandish contracts were given out, no one's making $28 million that can't play well, or at least fill their specific role well. Like, Melo's not even scoring the ball well anymore. He's not moving on. He's not playing offense well anymore. And when you think Carmelo Anthony, you think of an offensive player. You think of a fucking offensive juggernaut. And the fact that he's not performing well on offense is just incredibly baffling as a whole. Let alone the fact that he opted in to make $28.5 million fucking dollars to do nothing but stand on the court and not pass the ball. And refuse to come off the bench where he would fucking shred everybody. Because if you think about it, there's not a person on anybody's bench that would be able to guard Carmelo Anthony with the amount of freedom he would be able to have coming off the bench. He'd be able to take as many shots as he wants, pass and call for the ball right back if he was being doubled or whatever. But... What does my mans do? Basically say he's not going to change anything. And, um, yeah, we're just going to run it back. And that's that's kind of baffling because I'm not sure what they expect to change or what they expect to happen next season if he's not going to do anything different. Because he's the key in the, in the team making the jump from a first-round exit to potentially Western Conference Finals or the actual NBA Finals. Because, to continue with the NBA free agency, although the bitch-ass, I'm not even going to call them bitch-ass Warriors, but I don't hate the Warriors, 
I'm not everybody else who really hates the Warriors, but I really don't fuck with KD. He's a bitch-ass nigga. But the Warriors signed Boogie Cousins, and although that catapults them to another level, although they're already the best team in the league, that just takes them to a whole nother level because they lost JaVale McGee and added Boogie Cousins. I don't even know how to properly measure that because JaVale McGee just is a fucking bonehead. But he's lengthy and athletic as fuck. Boogie Cousins is the best big skilled big man in the league. So I can't even imagine how that's going to look on the team yet. But I just... I don't like the signing more so because why I understand every player who's in the NBA wants a ring, but at what cost do you want that ring? Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like you're drastically losing respect joining the Warriors in for $5 million when you could have made $20 million playing with the Pelicans. You could have made $20 million playing with the Lakers. You can't say... I think it's it's like blasphemous to say no one was going to offer you a contract. No one called you at midnight, so you panicked and called the Warriors. That's just... I don't really understand the the mindset in that situation. It's, it's so weird, the mindset that a lot of players have nowadays. And, like, I'm not even the biggest Michael Jordan fan, but, like, the most... The biggest quote that I agree with the most that he said was... Um, like, I want to win, but I also want to be one of the main factors in why we win. And I genuinely couldn't agree with that more because I don't want to just stand on the side or just stand on the court and and be bragging about how we won three championships. I don't want to be Luke Walton on the Lakers saying I got, I got four rings. I'd rather be a nigga like Steph or a nigga like Clay. Shit, Draymond, he's probably the most important person on the Warriors. He doesn't get his proper due to some people, but with some um, analysts and shit like that, but he's definitely a key person on that team. So Sean Livingston, I'd one of these players, but like I would not want to be a person that just joins a team that swept the league already in the finals just to to get a ring. What for what? What validation is he looking for? I, I assumed he had a stronger mindset than Kevin Durant did, honestly, because as as more Kevin Durant speaks, you can tell he's not as strong mentally as the persona he was trying to build because he just says so much mentally weak things like needing validation from his peers. And each time he takes a shot at Oklahoma City contradicts the reason in why he left Oklahoma City. So it just it makes him look a little more mentally weak in the, the ghost account, the shit he Kevin Durant just contradicts the persona he's trying to create, so he looks a little more mentally weak than the persona Boogie Cousins gives off. You, he just seems like a, a strong person, and I feel like the move that he made just seems weak. And I'm not really understandable, because if you're not going to play... Oh, I, I guess on the flip side... There were reports saying that he's not going to play till February or March. 
And if you're not really going to play till February or March, I guess you want to play for as long as possible. If you're going to be under a one-year contract, you want to have the most opportunities you can to showcase your talents. And in that time, or in playing for the Warriors, they're obviously going to be playing until June. So from February until June, he'll have as much time as possible on his minutes restriction to show he's back to the old Boogie Cousins. But... Why Anthony Davis wore this nigga's jersey in the All-Star game last year, man. In hopes of him returning to the Pelicans. And this nigga goes and joins You niggas ain't loyal. Like, Jesus. Like I understand it's a business and all, but damn you niggas ain't loyal. Like my heart. Man. Um, but back to the, back to free agency. Um, Kawhi Leonard is apparently considering sitting out for one season if the Lakers don't, or Lakers, if the Spurs don't trade him this season or this uh, off season before the season starts to another team. But I don't know how the Spurs can possibly trade him if he only wants to go to the Lakers and. The Lakers are the Lakers are playing this very well, honestly, because the Spurs are so handicapped in the fact that the Lakers already offered them something. They said no. Then Kawhi came out. Ooh, shit. Y'all, I don't know if y'all can even... Whew, y'all might be able to hear that nigga's brakes. God damn, I thought my back brakes were horrible. Jesus. Um, as I was saying, um, Kawhi is super handicapped them, especially after the Lakers removed that first offer, and then he came out and said he would potentially sit a season if they don't trade him this year, and then the Lakers offered something else, and the Spurs still said no, so now it's, I feel like it's only a matter of time, because they can't trade him anywhere else but to LA, because he said without a doubt he wants to play in LA. If the Celtics know he's only going to play there for a year, unless they know they're going to win a championship, I highly doubt that they would trade for him, because And I think the only team that would potentially trade for him on a one-year rental is the Celtics because they're the only team that can afford it simply because they have a shitload of draft picks from... How How did the Celtics even get all these draft picks? I know a lot of... Well, not a lot, but I know like three of four... No, four, yeah. I know four of them came from Brooklyn when the the, uh, Celtics traded KG Paul Pierce. But... Where the, how'd the rest of them get there? I need to do some research on that because that's hella wild that they continuously have a top five pick or a top ten pick every year, and yet they're one of the top five teams every year. They don't even need these picks anymore. They need to do something with it. They need to make a, a blockbuster trade like this. So that's why I'm saying they could be the one team that could get Kawhi on a one-year rental, potentially make a run in the champ, for the championship. And if they win, then shit, who knows? I mean, Paul George said he wanted to play in L.A. last year, but he really likes living in Oklahoma City, apparently, and when he had the opportunity, he, he stayed. So I feel like the same thing could potentially happen for Kawhi Leonard. They have, they're both quiet people. They stay to themselves. They're not too... Although they're incredibly famous, they don't bask in that celebrity. They kind of stay to themselves and shit like that. So I feel that if he was to move to Boston, he could potentially like the city and... 
if they went far enough in the playoffs, why would you give that up to, eh, I mean, I understand why you would if you're from L.A. and everything like that, but at the same time, I feel like the competitive nature in a player would want to redo it again if he lost deep deep in the finals. So, like most of you guys know, Scorpion came out this weekend. I'm sure most of you guys heard it already. And with most Drake albums, there's hella anticipation from everyone for this album to come out. <laughs> Um, like I said before, I was expecting this to be Drake's classic album. Um, I feel like there's a lot of, he promoted this very well compared to Views, which was like overly promoted. So I, I like the, the layout and the rundown he provided for this, uh, this marketing one. So, but when I listened to it, honestly, I was slightly underwhelmed. Not even slightly. I was just underwhelmed. Because, like I said, I was expecting this to be the classic album. I feel like that's the only thing that's pretty much missing off Drake's resume is the one classic, undoubtedly classic album. Because although Take Care is a classic in a lot of people's eyes, there's still a crowd that doesn't... There's still a crowd of people that don't support Take Care, um... There's also a crowd of people that fully believe The Weeknd wrote Take Care. I don't care who wrote it, didn't write it. I mean, I like the album, so it is what it is. I'm just saying there's still a crowd of people that will push that and say these things. So everybody knows the one, the biggest notch on his career is that he doesn't write all his music. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you're making great music, you're making great music. So it is what it is. So you... As long as you're not trying to call yourself the best MC, then it is what, like, like I said, it is what it is. Kanye doesn't try to call himself the best MC, so it's whatever. No one can doubt that he makes good music. Everybody knows he doesn't write all his music. So it, it's just that simple. Drake, on the other hand, I feel like tries to discredit the fact that he hasn't wrote all of his own music be with claims that he's helped other people write their music which I don't I can't dispute because I don't know but at the same time well actually I do know he helped uh he wrote the hook for yikes on Kanye's album which that's cool but at the same time I don't you can't I don't feel like you can brag about something when you've had the same thing done for you in return proven like we've heard reference tracks so I, it doesn't have the same, it doesn't hold the same weight when he makes the claims for him writing for other people when that person's going to say, yeah, you wrote the hook. They're not going to deny it. So when we know that person doesn't write all their music, so again, what, what value does that hold? But on the other hand, for Drake, when you're trying to be the, the best MC or the best rapper... You're not writing your own music as a knock on your career. But back to the album. I Initially, when I first heard it, I liked the A side more than I liked the B side. But as I was driving, I believe I've listened to it like three, three or four times now. But last night I listened to it all the way through just so I could give a proper um, analysis on the album. And 
I, I think I definitely like the B side a bit more. I was expecting a little more grit, I guess, on the A side. If that's if you, like you're gonna say a rap side and the R and B side, I, I was expecting the rap side to be a little harder, a little more up pace, a little quicker tempo. But the R and B side, I just have a few issues with the content that he was providing. You feel me? Like you can't say you're a single father and you've only seen the kid once. Like you can't say both of these things. Like that that just that literally just doesn't roll off the tongue right. And it, he didn't say it in the same song, but saying it on the same album just that sounds backwards as fuck. And I'm not even sure if everybody realizes, but the the biggest discrepancy by far is the title March 14th, which is the kid's birthday. But that's the day he was on Twitch with Ninja, playing uh, Fortnite and streaming and all this shit. And I, like, I just think that's hella funny because he was on Twitch for, like, five hours that night. And apparently that's when the kid was born. So at what point were... When were uh, you celebrating the child's life and everything? You know, like... When was this narrative that you're trying to push actually happening? You feel me? But other than him calling him, mentioning Pusha T definitely fucked up his whole rollout. Like, I can definitely tell that as well from listening to the B-side of the album. You could tell he had some real good shit planned for the rollout of uh, his son. Like, he was really going to roll that shit out better than Assad. Like, that shit was going to be smooth. Because he had all these lines. I feel like he recorded some of this music a while ago, too, in plans of the rollout being as smooth as it was going to be. Because there's a few lines in there, like the Dada stuff, and, like, all the amounts of times that he's mentioning himself being a father, that just, it doesn't sit as well now that he was a uh, that he, it doesn't sit as well now that he was exposed by Pusha T, and now that we know that he planned to do a whole Adonis rollout with Adidas, and it just it it just it doesn't look smooth now. It look it doesn't sit well. It just I don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't like all the dad all ref, the dad references and all this shit. It just it seems a little forced and pushed now. Now that it was exposed, it just I'm not feeling it. But. That rollout would have been real good. That would have been Drake's best rollout. With with the album coming out, he probably would have had some Scorpion Adidas. Like, he probably would have really did it big. Not probably. He definitely would have really did this shit big. Like, this was going to be some real smooth shit. And Pusha T fucked all that up. He fucked all this up. And I definitely think Pusha T would have won the beef, too. After hearing the rap side of the album... I don't think Drake wanted to smoke how he claims to have wanted to smoke. I definitely think, like I said, I don't recall which, I think it was episode 29. I definitely think he had way more smoke for Kanye than he had for Pusha T. And like I said, it wouldn't have made sense to try to end Kanye's career when Pusha T's the one who was attacking you. Like what, what value does your claims hold against Kanye when Kanye is just literally going to eat those claims? Like you, you can claim you wrote whatever, and he's going to say, yeah, you did. That's cool. 
did you make this beat though? That beat's hella tight. Or did you edit the vocals in the same way I edited these vocals or, you know, something of that nature. But he doesn't take credit for the actual lyrics the same way an MC like Pusha T would hold value to the lyrics. So Drake's claims about Kanye, unless he had sex with Kim, but I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like Kim's been around. So like, does that really hold that much weight? You know, like she's been famous for a while. You know, I feel like she's had her pick of the litter for a while. So, like, I feel like she's had sex with a few entertainers or celebrities. So, how much of a claim is that to say you've had sex with his wife, you know? Because it would have been, it would have been before it was... I mean, unless she cheated on you, I mean, you know, because that's wild. I, I, you got something like that in the tuck because he did say you were his neighbor. So, you know... That could be a whole nother angle. Like, if you smashed Kim while they were married and you it, and Jay Prince had to tell you not to do that, then I understand. But that's... I'm not sure what else, because there's already people saying Kanye does nothing for Chicago. He Like, he does nothing for the youth of Chicago. Like, he hasn't been to Chicago in years and all that shit. So, like, there's not much that you could say to discredit his accomplishments in music or to, to tarnish his career. So... I'm genuinely interested in what Drake could have said in the whole beef now more than ever because I feel like he would have gotten demolished. Truly just fucking demolished. But the album is a good album. Like I'm not I'm still a Drake fan, so I, I'm obviously I'm probably a little biased. I was gonna like the album regardless, but I feel like I feel who's tweeted this? Sarah tweeted this. With the with how quickly people are required to put out music nowadays, the quality of music just isn't as high anymore. Like if he didn't have to, well, he didn't have to put that's the thing, like the caliber of artist Drake is, I don't feel like he has to succumb to the pressures of a regular artist. He didn't have to necessarily rush this album and put it out at this time. I'm not saying he rushed it, but with the quality of it, it almost feels rushed because he could have put out way better music. He could have just made this a single disc album and it would have been way better. That's what I think. So the best story I've probably read in the last two weeks was about El Chapo. And, um... His real name is Redone Fade, I believe. I'm probably saying it extremely wrong. Um, apologies. But so he broke out of prison for the second time this um, this week, and he escaped using a helicopter and three armed, heavily armed men is how the description or the article described them. And apparently during his visit, I don't not even sure who the fuck he was apparently visiting, but he was waiting in the visiting room, and. Yeah, these three men showed up. These three armed men showed up. Bam. Took over the prison and escorted him out. They took a helicopter to somewhere in France. I don't know the name of the location. It was a random little field. They burnt the helicopter, and now this nigga vanished. Now, if this isn't the most Grand Theft Auto-like shit I've ever heard in my life, I don't know what is. Like... Especially since this is his second prison escape. His first prison escape was in 2010. Oh, no, no, no. My, my fault. 
2013. He's originally serving this whole prison stint in the first place for a robbery that took place in 2010. And apparently he was the mastermind. But how do they even determine who's the master? Well, I feel like someone has to snitch for them to determine who's the mastermind. Because that was my that was literally my first question. Like, how, do, how the fuck do they determine that? They can't just say, you orchestrated this crime, right? Or I guess they can. So, yeah, the, the law can do whatever the fuck they want. They could say you orchestrated this crime and add that mastermind charge to your, to your shit anyway. So, in 2013, the first time he broke out, he used dynamite. And he took four wardens hostage. Now, how the fuck do you get dynamite in prison? That's question number one. Too honorable of him not to kill anyone in this situation. You know what I mean? I'll actually, I, I read this. No, I, I'm wrong. He didn't kill anyone in that situation. He killed someone in 2000. Well, I don't know if he killed someone in 2010. But someone died in the robbery in 2010 that he was apparently the mastermind behind. And that's why he's serving 25 years to life. But, well, obviously in combination with the robbery. But, yeah, that, it doesn't help that a cop died. You know what I mean? So... In the 2013 robbery, or in the escape attempt, he got out, he took four warrants hostage, he blew up the, he didn't blow up the whole prison, but he blew up the prison with dynamite, took four warrants hostage, and then went on the run for six weeks. Now, how do you get caught in a hostel? Like, I've never been to a hostel, but from what I know, you know, they're pretty laid back and pretty chill, so like, everyone seems to mind their business. Why do you go back to France? Like, you're the... You just broke out of prison. Don't you think... You, not don't you think. You are obviously the most wanted man in the country. Why the fuck are you in a and b eating some fucking waffles in France? Why not go anywhere else in Europe, nigga? Anywhere in the world, somewhere, matter of fact. But I respect his gangster for going right back to his hood. So, this time... uh they caught him six weeks later, like I said, at the Airbnb, and uh, they caught him. He's reserving his stint. I don't even know if they added any time because he's doing life, so it just is what it is. But he broke out again, and I looked it up, and they still haven't caught this nigga. So I don't know. I don't know. I just felt the need to share this with everybody because this nigga's a G. I don't know how you break out with a helicopter don't shoot nobody. Everybody just know to get the fuck out of the way. And then it's, it's just good. Like, it's just a wrap. Like, no one has to die. No one has... No one even... Vol- no one decided to be Captain save And, like... This is so... This is such movie shit that I'm surprised no one, like... Tried to be the cop that saves the day. You know what I mean? And, like, you guys aren't getting away on my watch. And then, you know, get shot in the face. But no. This nigga's such a G. He was like, hey, bruh. We, we out of here. We'll see y'all later. And it's, it, is, it just is what it is. And they still haven't found this nigga. I wonder... Hopefully he has a plan in place. And he'll be on the run longer than six weeks. This time. Because... I don't want this nigga to get caught. He's a legend. El Chapo. Long live the legend of El Chapo. And uh, like I said, man, it was a pretty slow week, so that's all I got. Um, if you feel like El Chapo should be caught or anything like that, tweet me. My shit's I am Gator. 
if you have any other discrepancies with anything I said uh, regarding free agency or Drake's album, if you have any discrepancies, let me know, man. Tweet me. I need more interaction. So uh, talk to me. Y'all have a good night, good week, good day, whenever you listen to this. Thanks for listening. Peace out.